communicate with other people in your life and build that bridge that you've got with them. Strengthen those bridges. Upgrade those bridges, if you will. And, and one of the challenges was for parents to do that with their children, um, to talk to their kids about their relationship. And, and I began to kind of try to process that a little bit. I've got a three-year-old and a seven-week-old, and, and how do I communicate this to a three-year-old? How do I communicate these truths about, about bridges and building bridges and your relationship with Jesus? And uh, so you might have got, as you walked in this morning, um, a tiny little Lego block. Um, and, and I'll come back to this again towards the end of the message, but I wanted to bring this out first and foremost. Um, as we're talking, um, you can kind of look at this and reflect on it. Many, many of you have probably played with Legos before in your life, um, whether you've been playing with other little children or you yourself as a little child, depending on how old you are, played with Legos at one point. Well, there you go. Um, and so I, I began to think about these Legos, and my son, um, he's got those big ones, right, because he's only three, so he's got those big blocks, um, but we'll build stuff with him all the time, and I've tried to teach him before about building it so that it won't fall over, because his idea, right, is just start stacking up as high as you can go, and you stack this piece on top of this piece on top of this piece, and if it's all the same size piece, there's no grounding on that foundation, and as soon as it gets to a certain point, even if he doesn't touch it, even if the ground doesn't shake, even if it's on concrete ground, it'll topple over. Because there hasn't been a foundation that's been built on it. And I remember learning, I, I, I actually remember this thought processing in my mind as I was playing with Legos when I was a little boy. That if you build them so that they interconnect with each other, they're stronger than if you just stack them straight up. If you start locking them together so that this piece connects on top of this piece and this piece on top of this piece, kind of offset, you've built a strengthening into that wall. I remember thinking that, and that's something that's just, it's stuck with me my whole life. So I began to work through this with him. But, as we build bridges, and even as you're intentional and you build strong bridges, sometimes the bridge gets burned. And sometimes it's you or me doing the bridging or the burning, and sometimes it's the other party doing the burning. But bridges get burned. And so the question today is how do we fix the burnt bridges in our lives? How do we fix those burnt bridges that ought to be fixed? Those relationships that, that need amend. Those relationships that just aren't what they're supposed to be. And how do we do that, and what does Scripture have to say about that? Here's some Scripture we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn to Acts. Um, I'm going to put these up on the screen, um, but Acts is the chunk of our message today. That's the, the chunk of the story, um, and that's why I want you to turn your Bibles. If you're the kind that likes to highlight, underline, uh, mark up your Bibles, you should go ahead and do it. Um, that's where you're going to get the meat of the story. Um, I am guilty of not doing that because I'm OCD. But it's a great practice, and I, I am so encouraged by people who mark and underline in their Bibles um, because I know that they're processing stuff, and they're keeping it, and they're storing it. Because you're not going to remember every word I say today, and probably you shouldn't, because there's probably stuff that, that's not worth remembering that I'm going to say today. But you'll come back to this, hopefully. You'll come back to your Bible someday. You'll flip through it someday as you're struggling with something, and you're looking for answers, and you'll see 
Why did I underline that? And it'll come back to you. Well, why is this highlighted? And there's a story that fits that. God works that way. Put him to the test here. I know the scripture says don't put the Lord, your God, to the test. Put him to the test here, because he'll show up. He'll show up in ways you don't expect him to, if you mark and keep his word that way. So those are the, wor- the scriptures we're going to be looking at today. If you want to turn to Acts, um, that's what we'll be mostly focusing on. But burnt bridges leave us vulnerable. Burnt bridges leave us vulnerable. Believe it or not, it's almost more vulnerable to have a burnt bridge than it is to not have a bridge at all. Because now you've got this entryway that you're supposed to have a connection to. You're supposed to have this, this crossover. And it's a stress, and it's an eyesore, and it's, it's a something that's just always on your mind. Because as you look out and you see that relationship, you see that person, you realize that's not how it's supposed to be. This relationship isn't how it ought to be. And so burnt bridges actually leave us more vulnerable than never building a bridge in the first place. Because it's a constant reminder. It's a constant reminder, actually, of that last song we sang in our worship together, of our utter dependence on God. Our utter dependence and need for God to step in and help us. But the, the burnt bridges that leave us vulnerable, and another reason why it's so stressful and, and it makes us so mad, is because there's no quick fix to it. There's no easy solution to the burnt bridge. It takes time, it takes effort. Let's turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 26. This is what the word of the Lord says. Um, concerning Saul, who's later known as Paul's, conversion and his beginning of his Christian ministry. So we know the story of Saul, right? Saul was a religious leader who spent his career persecuting, rounding up, and killing Christians. And somewhere along the way, on the road to Damascus, he meets, literally, face-to-face, Jesus with a bright light, and it blinds Saul, and it changes his whole life, changes the course of Christianity in the beginning of the church. Because Paul was used and allowed God to use him in so many incredible ways. And so, Paul had a reputation. He had built bridges with Christians, although not good ones. He had a reputation that when Saul comes to town, he's going to try to find us. He's going to drag us out in the middle of town, and he's going to perform public executions. Because that's what Saul does. He's built this rapport. And so as Saul has converted, his next step is, i got to get plugged into a church. i got to get plugged into a body of believers. I've got to learn about this Jesus thing, because some of these people have been following Jesus a long time. Well, I've been trying to kill him. I've got to learn more about this. What's making these people tick? So verse 26 says this. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. They thought he was pulling a fast one. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. 
When the brothers found, him, found out, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarshish. We spent a lot of time talking about Paul the last few weeks as we've been talking about this, this letters pr- from prison concept. And, and while our text today isn't about Paul being in prison, it's about what set him up for it. It's about the life that changed that resulted in a world that would do that to him. Because his original trajectory, he would never have been behind bars. He was the guy putting other people behind bars. The original course of his life, he would never have ended up there. So how did Paul get there? And how did he repair bridges along the way? My fault. I'll keep up with those. <laughs> but burnt bridges leave us vulnerable. Burnt bridges leave us vulnerable. And, and Saul, Paul, is a perfect example of that. As he tried to get in with these Christians now that he believed and now that he was a fellow brother in Christ, they wanted nothing to do with him. Because he'd burnt all the bridges. Except for one. Barnabas. Barnabas, being a more mature Christian, saw Saul, saw Paul struggling to connect, struggling to be involved, struggling to find a place that he could be home, and a place he could learn, and a place he could grow, and a place where he was safe to struggle and and question and and ask stuff about God and his character, and and what's this Jesus thing, and, and what about the Holy Spirit, and And what does all this mean? Paul needed a place to do that. And Barnabas stepped in and said, Hey, church, listen up. This guy's legit. He's had a transformation. Something has happened in his life, and it's Christ. We need to begin to repair this bridge. And that was the first step in the repair. The first step in the repairing of the bridge was another Christian coming alongside, forgiving, making amends, and vouching on behalf of somebody who was an outsider. Vouching for him. Burnt bridges leave us vulnerable, and we need people to come alongside us to help us in those moments of vulnerability. So as we move through the story, flip over to Acts chapter 13. And Paul has now built a relationship, especially with Barnabas, right? Because Barnabas has has invested in him. He's vouched for him. He said, no, no, no. He's one of us. Let's bring him into the fold. And so Paul stays there for a while. He stays at the church in Jerusalem, and they, they protect him, they keep him safe, and he grows, and he matures. And it comes to the point where he really feels this urge feels this calling to go other places and be a missionary for the gospel. Paul says, I've got to share what I know. I've got to go to these other places and share about Jesus, share about what he's done in my life. And so the first three verses here show uh, the commissioning ceremony for Paul and some other um, disciples as they were becoming missionaries. Now in the church at Antioch, There were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, we know him, right? Barnabas, 
Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. A call was placed on Barnabas and Saul's life to go and do the work of the Lord. Then after they had fasted, prayed, laid hands on him, they sent them off. Because burnt bridges can be rebuilt. Burnt bridges can be rebuilt. And this is the beginning of that process. Saul, a man who'd spent his early adult life killing Christians, now with a call to go and be a missionary, spreading the gospel message, and a church recognizing that and sending him out. The transformation of a life as a result of an encounter with Jesus. Burnt bridges can be rebuilt. And these people in this church were invested in, in Paul's story. They were invested in Paul's journey and his life and his mission. They too wanted to see things be impacted for the kingdom. A few verses down, chapter 13, verse 13. Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. But John left them and went back to Jerusalem. Now that's kind of an odd, uh, short little verse there. But what on earth does that mean? And who is John? We didn't even hear mention of this guy before. Well, John, also sometimes referred to Mark, also sometimes referred to as John Mark, is the cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas' cousin, who Barnabas brought along with him on the things he was doing. Barnabas uh, perhaps was something of a, of a mentor figure for him. Um, maybe, a, maybe John Mark was like the little cousin that kind of tagged along, but Barnabas poured into him. He invested in him. And as a result, John Mark, too, was able to go and do these, these missions works. And so as they're out on their missionary journey, they've been sent out from the church. Paul is totally invested in this. This is his first time he's done this. He's ramped up. He's energized. He's, he's just ready to go. And now one of his team has left in the middle of the journey. They had other places to go. They weren't done yet. And John backs out. Says, nah, I got some other stuff to take care of. The relationship that was being built with Barnabas was strained here. So although Paul has now built and repaired some of these bridges with the Christian church, and Barnabas was key among them, this other outside force has come in and now strained their relationship. Because what are you going to do if, if your, your friend says your cousin is, you know, jerk? <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do about that? I mean, it's, it's your cousin, right? That's family. You know, you got to see them at, at family reunions and Christmas, and you got to kind of stick with your family, right? And Barnabas surely felt a little bit of a, of a pull here. A little bit of attention, a little bit of, I don't know what to do. Uh, I mean, Paul, like, he doesn't want anything to do with, with John anymore, and, and I'm just, I'm torn. I don't know what to do. But, but I know that Paul is called to be a missionary, and I know that I'm called to be a missionary. 
And in the middle here, there's a rift. Perhaps a crack along the bridge. A couple pages over. Flip to chapter 15 in Acts. The story continues to heat up. And, and, and we're moving, progressing through the story. Um, and I know it's a lot of names and a lot of places. But as we progress through the story, you're continuing to see how this is escalating in their lives. 15, verse 36. After some time had passed, so Paul had finished out his first missionary journey. They went back home. Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Paul wanted to go back out and do it a second time. He's like, we've been home. We've rested up. Let's go do our missions again. Let's go to the same places. Let's preach about the gospel another time. Let's see how our brothers and sisters are doing. Let's, let's go back again. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul took Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Our burnt bridges can affect other people, too. As a result of this burnt bridge now, this sharp disagreement, as Scripture says, between Paul and Barnabas, we now have two sets of missionaries. And you might say, well, we've doubled our efforts, we've doubled our work, that's good, right? Imagine what they would have accomplished unified. Imagine what they would have accomplished on the same mission. And so we see that the Lord worked it out, and we've got the church today because Paul was still preaching the gospel message, but there was an issue here in his life. It didn't make him a bad person. It didn't mean that what he preached wasn't true. It didn't make him, you know, uh, unbelievable. But it did mean that there was a a mark in his life that needed fixing. And it did mean that it wasn't all Paul, that he needed a lot of Jesus in him to get this message across. He needed a lot of Jesus to get the message of the gospel across to people. It wasn't this super guy Paul, because there's stuff in his life. Stuff in his relationships that was messed up. So as you know, I'm a big superhero fan. Shocker, I know. And there might be some mild spoilers here for those of you who have not seen Avengers Infinity War, but intend to. I know some of you don't have any care to see it, so that's fine too. So I'll spoil it away for you. Um, there might be some mild spoilers here. I'll do my best not to spoil too much, because what really comes down to is the setup to the story. So the Avengers series, for those who aren't familiar, is a culmination of over a decade of movie franchises with an interconnected story throughout it all. So these characters, going back to 2008, when the first Iron Man movie came out, have had a storyline that's progressed and connected all these stories together. We've got uh, the, the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man and Captain America and all of these characters, bigger-than-life superheroes, with this interconnected story. And throughout this decade, we've had culminating experiences, particularly in the now three Avengers movies, where it's not just the one guy, it's all the guys getting together 
and they've got a shared, shared bad guy, shared story. And so they fought off an alien invasion the first time they got together. They were united for something bigger than life, right? And they said, we can't do this separate anymore, so we've got to fight off the bad guys. And then they fought off an artificial intelligence robot that was created by one of them. And then, now, the new movie that just came out in May, or April, May, yeah. Um, now, they've got another threat, bigger than life. And actually, this threat has been pulling the strings on the other ones all the way along. That kind of comes out. That, that this guy that they're fighting now has been the one who's been orchestrating all this other stuff that they've been experiencing before. But the two main stars are Iron Man, Tony Stark, and Captain America, Steve Rogers. They're, they're the two pillars that stand it. They're the Paul and Barnabas. And everybody else has a part, and they have a role. There, there's John Marks here, and there's Silas's, and there's Timothy's, and they're all important to the story. But they're being led by these two, by Paul and Barnabas. And somewhere along the way, they come to this point where they've got a sharp disagreement. And as they're supposed to be unified, saving the world and all that, they come to a place where, after their second battle, the international government comes to them and says, you guys are too powerful. And what we want is, we can't have these masked superheroes running around. We need a registration. We need to know who everybody is, where they are. We need to control you guys. Okay? One of them agrees that this is a good idea. The other one thinks this is a terrible idea. And as a result of that, the rift continues to pull. And what was just a small disagreement now becomes a big disagreement. And it culminates in them coming blow to blow with one another, literally punching each other in the face. Best friends who've saved the world at least a couple times. <laughs> Paul and Barnabas. Not united, but doing their best to try to save the world apart. And I've actually got a, a short video clip that will help illustrate some of this. So if we can get the, the sound for the computer turned on back in the booth there. And uh, we'll watch this short clip. And it's like three minutes long, and it's between the two of them. And it's their conversation that's developed over the course of their life together and over the course of this, this journey. Send the Lend-Lease Bill with ease in 1941. Provided support to the Allies when they needed it most. Some would say it brought our country closer to war. See, if not for these, you wouldn't be here. I'm trying to, what do you call it? That's a, uh, an olive branch. Is that what you call it? It's pepper here. I didn't see it. We are kind of... Well, not kind of. Pregnant? No, definitely not. We're taking a break. It's nobody's fault. I'm so sorry, Tony. I didn't know. A few years ago, I almost lost her, so I trashed all my suits. And we had to mop up Hydra, and then Ultron. My fault. And then, and then, and then, I never stopped. Because the truth is, I don't want to stop. 
I don't want to lose her. I thought maybe the Accords could split the difference. In her defense, I'm a handful. Your mom always made it work. You know, I'm glad Howard got married. I only knew him when he was young and single. Oh, really? You two knew each other? He never mentioned that. Maybe only a thousand times. I don't mean to make things difficult. I know, because you're a very polite person. If I see a situation pointed south, I can't ignore it. Sometimes I wish I could. No, you don't. No, I don't. Sometimes, sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. But I don't want to see you gone. We need you, Cap. So far, nothing's happened that can't be undone if you sign. We can make the last 24 hours legit. Barnes gets transferred to an American psych center instead of a Wakanda prison. I'm not saying it's impossible, but there would have to be safeguards. Sure. Once we put out the PR fire, these documents can be amended. I'd file a motion to have you and Wanda reinstated. Wanda? What about Wanda? She's fine. She's confined to the compound currently. Vision's keeping her company. Ah, oh, Tony, every time, every time I think what, you've seen things the right way. it's 100 acres with a lap pool. It's got a screening room. There's worse ways to protect people. Protection? Is that how you see this? This is protection? It's internment, She's Tony. not a U.S. citizen, and they oh, don't grant on, visas Tony. to weapons of mass destruction. She's a kid. Give me a break. I'm doing what has to be done to stave off something worse. You keep telling yourself that. Hate to break up the set. So the disagreement, and I know some of you don't have any background to that context, but I think you can kind of come across and see that these guys know each other. They're talking about their relationships. There's some sympathy. There's, there's a symp sympathetic conversation going on here. But they're just not seeing eye to eye. And so you might be saying, okay, well, what does this have to do with our story? I, I'm, I'm not connecting these pieces here. And here's where the spoilers come in a little bit for the new movie, so just deal with it. The big bad guy, Thanos, is threatening to take over the galaxy. And he's doing this by amassing these tools and these weapons that will allow him to alter reality as people know it. By the snap of his finger, he can reduce half the world's population to dust, to nothing, as if they never existed. And so, at the end of this movie that this clip was from, which was the movie prior to this one, Captain America and Iron Man go their separate ways, refusing to talk to each other, refusing to try to make amends, refusing to try to repair what's been broken. And as the big bad guy appears in this new movie and rears his ugly head, one of the guys, the, the Incredible Hulk, as Bruce Banner, comes to Tony and says, hey, you need to call Steve. We need him on this. You need to call him. We need, we need to be unified on this. And he says, no, he doesn't want to talk to me. He doesn't want to talk to me. And as a result, 
the good guys go out on four different missions to stop the bad guy. Not unified. It's not four different fronts of the same advance and same offense. It's four completely separate attempts to stop the bad guy. And throughout the two and a half hour movie, the two guys that have been the pillars for this franchise for over a decade never say a single word to each other. They never even see each other for two and a half hours. And as a result, Thanos wins. Evil wins at the end of this movie. And you're literally left with like a gut punch because I can't believe that happened. The good guy always wins in the story, right? And so you can only hypothesize the second part to this film is coming out next May, 2019. And you can only hypothesize what the outcome will be, but my suspicion, my hunch, is that they get together and they start mending that broken bridge. And when they mend that broken bridge, they unite the team that they originally had, and they go and do what they're supposed to do. But we can only hypothesize that. We don't know what the story's going to hold. But we do know what happened for Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. We do know how they worked through this process. Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. That name, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark. This is Paul writing the story. Now he's in prison. Now Paul's in prison towards the end of his life. He says, my fellow prisoner sends you greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas' cousin, concerning whom you have received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. Well, that seems like a pretty fairly pleasant message about about Mark. Um, Maybe he's kind of mended a little bit. Well, let's look at 2 Timothy 4.11. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. Paul's words about Mark who had abandoned him on his first missionary journey. He refused to take him on the second journey, caused a rift in his relationship with Barnabas, who invited him into the the church. Now Paul's at the end of his life, sitting in prison. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. Something happened along the way. We don't get all the details in the scripture of, of how they mended that relationship, but it's obvious that they mended it. It's obvious that somewhere along the way, They had some conversations. They sat down with one another. They repaired the bridge that had been broken. And maybe it was Paul who realized, man, how much more effective would we be if we were unified? Or maybe it was Paul who realized, man, look at this glaring mark in my life. This is not how my relationships are supposed to be. This is not how Christian relationships are supposed to be. What am I going to do with that? Or maybe it was Mark. He said, I know that, you know, you didn't appreciate what I did, and I'm sorry. I apologize. It was wrong. I shouldn't have done it that way. Maybe it was Mark that said, Paul, um, we really need to sit down and and hash this out because we're not representing the, the God we serve as best as we can. Here's a timeline. And so for those of you who are, who are numbers based, and this is, this will help bring this all together here. So Paul was converted in 34 AD. He left about 14 years later on his first missionary journey. That's when he went with with Barnabas. And John Mark came and he left in the middle of it. Four years later, he wanted to go a second time. Paul said, heck no, that's when they split. So from 52 AD until sometime 
when he wrote Colossians and Timothy, which is between that 60 to 67 AD, talking a decade probably, at least, Paul and Barnabas were at odds with each other. And Paul and Mark were at odds with each other. And the ministry that could have been happening from a unified team was impacted. It was impacted. We're stronger together than we are apart. We all understand that. Even culture that doesn't understand God understands that. That we're stronger together than we are apart. So for over a decade, there's this rift that had been made. And somewhere along the way, somebody had to say, that's enough. We need to fix this. We need to repair this bridge that's been burnt. We need to repair what's been broken so that we can be more effective down the road. The burnt bridges of your life can be repaired too. I don't know everybody's story. I don't know what kind of bridges you have that have been burnt. I don't know if you've burnt the bridges or if others have burnt the bridges. I don't know if you want those bridges repaired. But I do know that the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of isolation. We're never meant to be islands. And the kingdom of God is about connecting people to people. It's our mission statement here at Wapak Nats. We are love people, loving people to Jesus. It's about that connection. We're supposed to be invested in one another. And when there's burnt bridges in our lives, it leaves us vulnerable. It leaves our witness vulnerable. It leaves our emotional state vulnerable. And it begins to bring up questions in our own mind. The truth is that the burnt bridges of your life can be repaired. No matter what state they're in. They might have been burnt a long time. It took Paul and Barnabas over ten years to bury the hatchet. And for all intents and purposes, Paul should never have been at odds with Barnabas. Because Paul might not have ever been brought into the church without Barnabas' help. But they were. Burnt bridges of your life can be repaired. So last week we challenged you guys about upgrading. And we talked about how we need to share our stories with other people. Share our stories with friends, with coworkers, with children, whoever. This week it's about repairing. Repairing the bridges. And maybe it's taking your Lego block and realizing that the bridge you've been building has looked a lot like, more like a wall than a bridge. The relationships you've been building with other people look a lot more like a wall than a bridge. And so you need to, maybe you need to dismantle a little bit so that you can repair. Funny thing about Legos, when you buy the set, they come with an instruction booklet. They show you how to make the stuff on the box so that it looks just right how it's supposed to look. The cool thing about our life is we've been given a book to help us build relationships the way they're supposed to look. We've been given examples of how our lives are supposed to look. It doesn't give us all the answers as far as the specifics. It doesn't address your specific situation, your specific 
to the detail. She said this, and I said that, and it doesn't address that, but it does address what our relationship is supposed to look like. And it does address what the kingdom of God looks like and what we should be striving for. I encourage you to take your, your Lego block. These are for you. Take your Lego block. Put it on your nightstand. Put it on your desk. Out of reach of children who are three or younger. <laughs> put it somewhere where you see it. And as you look at it, think about those building blocks of your life. What material are you using to build? We talked about that last week. The material used to build bridges. What material are you using? And how are you using it? I'm just going to give you blunt advice. If this isn't the source material, you might be in for a world of hurt. If this isn't the source material, and your relationship with God, if you notice, um, what did we do? We prayed four times today in church. Four different times we had prayer. That's a lot of times to pray, right? Can't we just pray one time? No, we need that. That utter dependence. We sang the song, Lord, I need you. I need you. Every hour, every minute, every day. God, I need more of you. Think about your life. Think about the bridges you have. And maybe begin to repair some of those bridges by putting a little bit more God into it. Piece by piece. Will you stand? Almighty God, Father of heaven and earth, creator, source of life, source that, that gives us purpose, gives us meaning, the God of our fathers. We talk about Jacob and Esau. We talk about Abraham. We talk about Moses. We talk about Paul and Barnabas. God, help us to learn from the example set before us. But most importantly, help us to be kingdom people in every area of our life. It's not supposed to be compartmentalized. It's not supposed to be just segmented. These places are for God and these places aren't. God, help us to be kingdom people. Help us to repair the bridges in our life that need repaired. Help us to rely on you in those places where we need more of you. Almighty God, continue to bless us and watch us today. Keep us safe. In your son's holy name, amen. Well, uh, I guess the tomato Ruth Ann gave me to throw at Matthew during his sermon. Uh, I wasn't able to use it. It was pretty good. Thank you for bringing that, man. Uh, hey, may, the, may you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself as you go out this week? Have a wonderful and safe Memorial Weekend. There is no encounter tonight. Enjoy your time with your family and friends. Have a good day.